0: Wardrobe check. (laughs) Thank you, Tyler. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Sunday morning gathering. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I am Pastor Dave. Uh, The reason I'm up here is because I'm the guy who goes to the hospitals to visit people. I'm the guy who comes to your house when you have a broken leg or whatever. And I, I take care of your needs that way. And so. Many of you are probably aware that Pastor Greg and Rhonda had a motorcycle accident Sunday a week ago. And so I was there in Tacoma a, a number of times throughout the night. And it was a very long night for them. Uh, Rhonda finally got to come home at 3.30 in the morning. Greg was released earlier in the, in the evening and, and came home and then went back for her. So um basically what happened was uh the traffic stopped really fast in front of them the bike started sliding and uh and then somehow we're not sure exactly what happened but they got tossed off the bike and both of them landed on the road Greg has uh a lot of abrasions on his shoulders his elbows knee a couple of cracked ribs and so he's a walking kind of Pain, I guess is all you can describe. Uh, you know Try putting your your pants and your shirt on when you have all those those kinds of things going on. Uh, Rhonda, her injuries are a little more serious. They were very concerned uh, during the night Sunday night that you know her head had been uh, rattled around pretty good. They thought she had a concussion for sure. We think the concussion is a little bit more serious than we thought initially. Uh, She's been experiencing nausea and vertigo and some vision things. Um, Her brain's probably gonna need to rest for about eight weeks. So, pretty serious injury that she had. She has a very sore hip also, she landed on her hip. But otherwise she looks, uh, you know, you wouldn't wouldn't be able to tell that she hit the roadway. so um you know we just want to we want you to you we're a family we want to we want to be together and, and we want to um have you be in prayer for them um especially for Rhonda. and so uh you know we we just want to update you as we go it's been on the prayer chain and stuff so uh what i'd like to do right now is let's bow our heads and just lift them up to our Father. Father God, we just thank you that you are in charge of all things. We recognize that this accident could have been worse and that your protection was there. And that their injuries that are not life threatening, Lord. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. And then we just ask, Lord, you know, there's a lot of things that come along with an accident like this. You know, there's emotions, there's there's that recurring the thoughts and, and playing it over and over in your head and and all those things that we as human beings struggle with, Lord. And we just ask that you would just pour your spirit of peace out on them, that you would comfort them, that they would rest in the fact that your hand was working in that situation and you were protecting them and you sustain them through all the the difficulty that comes with us, Lord. And then, Father, you're, you're the healer. You are the ultimate healer. You can heal in any way that you choose to, Lord. And so we just ask, what, if it's by your word, by your, the touch of your hand, by using doctors and technology, Lord, just bring healing to their bodies. Bring healing to Rhonda's brain. And, uh, Lord, we just look forward uh, to having them back with us. They're part of our family. We love them. And, uh, and you know, you tell us that, that when one of us hurts, we all hurt. And so we come together corporately this morning, and we just lift them up to you, Lord. Uh, you know, Provide for them in every way that they need, Lord. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you will, take a look at the screen.
1: Yeah really we Let me tell you a couple things one we were that church that got everything shut down because we were so rowdy and two only pastor allison's kids got hurt so all the liability
2: and this is the 1st time hearing of it actually oh no
1: they're fine all the liability was off of me i was like hey she's in charge over here so uh no but that was camp and um we're, we're just here to celebrate uh the amazing things that god did uh first of all thank you Thank you for your giving. Um, we got to send eight students on full scholarships to camp, uh, so they could go and experience what God had for them. Uh, and thank you for your prayers because uh, God was working uh, at that camp, um, and it, it was it was amazing. You know, uh, we had several students uh, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Several students fully commit to uh rededicating their lives or receiving salvation for the first time uh we had students healed from anxiety and physical pains and then also uh that one picture when all of them were like standing there like they were in trouble um they those are the students uh there were several from our youth ministry that were called to full-time ministry um and so we got to be a part of that and and process and 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 see what that looked like and And we're excited for what that looks like because we get to pursue that together. So, again, thank you all so much um, because it was uh, my first time ever being a part of uh, a camp like that and being in charge of so many students. Um, And let me tell you, uh, it was absolutely terrifying. (laughs) But I'll tell you this. I cannot wait to do it again because God worked in those lives. And so thank you. Thank you.
2: It's kind of awesome. I got to be there as well. And uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm I'm our kids pastor. So it's not often that I get to go to youth camp and kids camp, youth camp are so different from each other. Um, I've, I've been able to go a couple of times, but uh, what a joy it was to be there. And of course it's awesome because I knew so many of them from kids ministry. Um, but what's really awesome is because they're a little older during their, um, their chapels at night, they're able to have some response time. And they ask the children to come to the altar and respond to Jesus. And for me to watch those kids come forward and respond to Jesus in such powerful ways and then pray for each other. Like that was one of the themes that we saw <clears throat> throughout the whole week was watching kids pray over each other, not just from MRCC. They are praying for kids. There's what, probably 18 to 20 different churches all gathered together at this camp and they're praying for each other all over the place. And it was such a beautiful thing to see. And then can I brag one more thing, if I can? <clears throat> one of the nights uh, they asked Tyler to come up on stage and just share a word at the very end. And he did not wanna do it. He said he was going to throw up. Did you actually throw up? No, I didn't. Okay, he didn't.
1: I'm okay now, so front row, you're clear. You're safe. (laughs) Don't worry. Don't worry.
2: But truly, uh, he got up there and he just shared a word that God put on his heart. And um, it was probably one of the most powerful things uh, I've ever seen come from him. So I am actually super excited just to see what God's going to do in our youth ministry because uh, the students who are willing to pray for each other and for a, a youth pastor that is just going to sell it out for these kids and do everything for it. So it's such a cool thing. Isn't it awesome? I don't know. I think that that deserves some good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. I think my son was one of them that came out and said he might, uh, you know, that he was called it. To
1: be a uh, kids pastor <clears throat> so.
2: hey let 's see yeah I said it 's okay, buddy, if it doesn 't happen, <laughs> but it was kind of cool just to see one of those pictures you saw their hands just raised high. Um, there were two students that were saying they 're from our youth ministry, and they were standing there with their arms up because they were responding to a call to ministry, and I just think that 's powerful and cool that they're, that they 're recognizing that God could use them in powerful ways so
1: <clears throat> we 're definitely going to pray for yeah. hygiene for those two students. <laughs> um, I was in their tent. <clears throat>
2: It was the grossest,
1: yeah. Okay, I, I have to my say this.
2: My son is like, uh, what's the, the Charlie Brown character that has the cloud? Uh, is it Linus? Li- pigpen. pen
1: oh, My sorry. son oh, yeah. is like Pigpen. Oh, yeah. I, just, <laughs> I know I this wanna already. I want to say really, really quickly, I got in, so I, I, was, I had meetings late, and the third night, it's been like 96 degrees all day hot. for these three days. I crawl into bed, and I just have my flashlight, make sure everyone's in bed, and I look over, And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. At the foot of one of these kids' bed was a container of yogurt. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm so tired. I was like, I'll deal with it in the morning. And then I laid down, and I was like, he's going to have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and he's going to step on it. And then I'm really going to have to clean it up. So... I had some good discernment. I did clean it up. I threw it away right then and there. There was a lot of pressure built up in there. It was it was almost going to All good explode. things. Yeah, All good it, things they, that They were again. good things. They Should were we, good things. Shall we
2: talk about what's happening right yes. here? Okay. Yes. <laughs> we do have a couple announcements for you also. Um, today, if you're new, if you've been uh, coming to MRCC maybe for a little bit and you haven't yet got connected, um, we love the opportunity that, that has been coming about. We've been doing these lunches about once a month where we just want to invite you to come to lunch and get to know some of the people who are newer to the church. Uh, of course, the few people that are there just to welcome you in and, and you know just just say hi, get connected, get to know you a little bit. Uh, but they're going to be at the Austin Home After Church today uh, about 1231 o'clock if you join them there. The, the address, right, is right there on to right take a picture and show up that'd be great yeah. yeah
1: what else and if you are not new but you want to get connected um in a different way i will be downtown at the downtown connect um down in uh sundays on Cole. um and if you just want to hear more about camp uh or anything like that uh several of us pastors were, are going to be there uh and so we just want to get connected and get to know you more here um because it's it's just a, a family and, and uh, we want to continue to pursue that
2: yeah, there's a couple places downtown with Corn Toss. Oh, yeah. My husband is actually quite good at it. He could school anyone of he you He beats me regularly at <laughs> Corn Toss. <laughs> uh, but also with Corn Toss, yes, we have a church picnic coming up, and we do like to bring out all the games and all that kind of stuff. But it's also going to be a water picnic. You can kind of see the screen. We have a huge slip and slide. It's like 80 feet long. Uh, all the foam. The kids absolutely love it. But I promise you, we do have a section that we section off for staying dry. So if you're one that likes to stay dry, there are some tables. There's a great place for you. If you don't mind getting wet, wear your swimsuit. There'll be pools and water guns and slip and slides, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be fabulous. Um, But along with that, um, we're going to have food together, right? You guys, man, they're quiet today. They're like crickets. Holy shit. They don't like food. They're not hungry. No, <laughs> they're starting to think about lunch now. No, we are gonna do we are gonna have a meal together, which is a great way to connect together. Uh, we just we want you to be invited to this church picnic, but also you might consider helping at this church picnic and uh, and there's a way to do that, right? QR code, you want to tell them about yeah, how to do that? If you
1: wanna get connected and help out at, at this picnic, you can take your phone and you can scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you. Um, and you can join a team. You can join a small group. But also, I totally forgot to mention this in first service. Mm-hmm. Um, Pastor Dave talked about the prayer chain. Uh, if you are not on the prayer chain and you want to be on the prayer chain, fill out that connect card. Uh, just get Let connected us with us, yeah. and we will make sure uh, that you are a part of it. We're not going to sell your information or anything like that. Um, it's just a better way for all of us to get connected here more at MRCC.
2: And sign up for things like church picnic, help. church picnic, yes, yeah. the youth
1: team, the kids team, the all youth the team.
2: Lots of youth things. <laughs> we could be here all day. No, just kidding. But truly, uh, we would love for you to be a part of everything that's going on around here. Yeah. Um, and actually, today, I have the joy to tell you that uh, my husband's going to bring the word today for us. And I will tell you, uh, when we were first married, he was a youth pastor. And somewhere along the way, I was a school teacher. And he's like, you know, what if I became a school teacher? and We could have summers off together. It'd be fabulous. And along the way, as he's getting his credentials to be a teacher, I was like, but you know that God's called me to ministry, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't think we had one summer uh, that we had off together as school teachers because as soon as he was finishing his teaching degree, I entered into ministry. So we've been in ministry our entire 23 years of marriage Come and on. he's on your youth team. He is on the youth team. Yep, he's one yep, of my sir, sir. Like,
1: core youth leaders. He's yep. been there through thick and thin yep. for real. So yeah, give it up for David. Yep, Abbey. That
2: sounds good. Thanks.
3: Oh. Yeah, we have not had one summer that we have not uh, been in ministry in our in our marriage, but that's okay. And one of the cool things uh, about this last week, uh, for the first time in all of our years in ministry together, our entire family uh, was at youth camp together. Um, I have an incoming seventh grader, an incoming sophomore, and an incoming senior. And then Allison uh, got to come as a leader, and I was there as a the leader. so the entire Abbey family uh, was at summer camp together for and that that was really cool um, to be there and to see my kids having fun, uh, having a great time, and all of the other kids. I do want to give one little side note to that tent that Tyler was talking about. Um, I was there when they uh, cleaned up their tent on, on the last morning, and when they pulled out. The the mattresses and all of their stuff, the amount of things that were still in this tent was astonishing. Uh, the The wrappers alone um, were, were it was crazy. But then just the pieces of candy, the Reese's pieces, the Smarties, the chips, uh, all of the stuff that was littering the ground of the tent. I I am surprised that there weren't rats in there. But it was too hot for rats. That's it was it was really warm. Um, it's kind of a kind of a youth summer camp theme here because um, I was at summer camp. It was amazing. Um, and like Tyler said, I want to echo that. Thank you so much for your dedication uh, to the ministries at MRCC. Um, so many cool things. You saw the boats that the students got to do. So many games. Uh, volleyball, putt putt. There's a zip line um, that I don't think we showed a in giant, a giant swing that the kids do. Um, swimming, diving, the blobbing. Um, uh, wow, you, you saw some pretty cool blobs. It was my daughter that went face first into the water. That was fun. Um, those are just all the fun things that, that we do at camp to help kids have a good time to facilitate all of the things that we do um, in the chapel and at the altar. Uh, We bring in um, Northwest University, their worship team um, from Kirkland comes in. Uh, We bring in some camp speakers. This year was unique. We had a husband and wife pastoral team um, from Arizona come in. And that was really cool to hear both Blair and Elise be able to talk to our students. Um, And really powerful, especially for a lot of our female students, to have uh, Elise up there. And one of the things that she said as she was bringing the words is, hey, ladies, Girls can preach, too, and that was so cool uh, to see that. Ultimately, here's the bottom line, is our kids were impacted, and when I was thinking about this on Sunday, uh, obviously, we got word on Sunday evening, um, Allison was called by Pastor Dave that that Greg and Rhonda were uh, in an accident, and our whole youth team immediately, a text went out to all of us, and, and we were praying. Um, and, and thinking about that, and then uh, later on Monday, Allison said, "Hey, Weston's gone. Brent's going to be leading. Tyler, Tyler was supposed to be gone. A whole bu- whole bunch of different things. Uh, what do you think about preaching?" And I'm like, "That that's fine." But then I, I when I was thinking about it, what would have been so much more powerful this morning, um, would have been what we did on Wednesday night. And on Wednesday, at our last culture of the summer, um, Tyler. Uh, had uh, brought up a whole bunch of different leaders and a whole bunch of the different students to talk about what God had done in their lives at camp. Because the bottom line is kids were impacted. You got to see some of that, but kids praying for kids. Uh, kids who, through the worship, uh, through just the fellowship, through the message, and, and what God was doing in their hearts. And I wa- want to focus on one in particular um, it was really cool. At the end of camp, the last morning before we came home, uh, Pastor Zach, who used to be our youth pastor and is also Tyler's dad, um, he's now our Northwest Ministry uh, youth director. But he uh, just at random called out a couple students um, to come forward and explain um, what God had done in their life. And he asked them for one word. And we had a student that was called up there, and she shared her word, and she said, my word is anxiety. And I could tell Pastor Zach got a little bit worried, um, but then she went on to explain about how she's been dealing with anxiety all of her life, and here she is in front of 550 people, talking about how that week that God took that from her, and Pastor Zach said, "You know what, um, Luna?" Um, said, "I'm going to change. I'm going to change that word, um, and that word is freedom, and and truly." that's That's just one little thing um that our that our students um got to got to feel this week um so i I feel blessed um, not just because my wife works here and I'm part of this m r c c family but truly we've talked about how m r c c is a family and the ministries that we have and we're dedicated to growing disciples and to growing the next generation i mean you see it every Sunday morning when you come in here with this big building that's going in, that the purpose of that building is for the next generation of our church. And I'm going to tell you right now um, that the next generation is being poured into because of your prayers, um, because of your faithful giving. So thank you so much um, for everything uh, that you do. Well, Allison talked about, talked a little bit about summer, and it made me kind of think about, you know what, what's my favorite season? Well, this is going to come as a surprise to you as an educator. Summer's my favorite season. Um, I don't know how many of you, summer's your favorite season. I love it. I love the warm weather. I, I could live in the heat, um, and we, you know, got to deal with that over in Spokane when we were at camp because the weather average uh, daily temperature was about 95 while we were over there. Um, You know, fall, I really like the start back of school. Winter, kind of, you know, how the weather is in western Washington. We kind of have the doldrums. Soon as spring hits, I start to get excited, not just because of the time off, but I love to see the change. I love to see the blooms coming out, um, knowing that uh, we're going to have all the beautiful flowers, all the beautiful plants. And, um, you know, that makes me think a little bit about growing things and gardening. I don't know if you're much of a gardener. Some of you, some of you may be great at garden gardening. I'm envious of all of you. Uh, I do not have a green thumb. For the longest time, I didn't even know what having a green thumb meant. Then I found out it was when you like you're deadheading plants and your you know finger turns your thumb turns green. Um, but it made me think about my first experience in trying to grow something. And this was in first grade uh, at my my first grade elementary school my teacher said, we're going to do a little bit of a science project. And he gave us all the white styrofoam cup and he gave us a little bean plant seed. And he said, we're going to go outside and we're going to get some dirt and we're all going to plant our bean seeds. And, you know, he talked a little bit, gave us a lesson, what do plants need to grow? And he talked about nutrients from the soil. And we talked about uh, the water that plants need to help for, uh, to help the, the seed process get going and then also to, to provide water for the plant. And he talked about sunlight and as much as he can talk about photosynthesis for first graders, he did that. But then it was the practical part. He took us all outside, gave us all little trowels and said, okay, go get some dirt. You know, you have some kids that are picking up just the dirt right there on the ground that's got little bits of trash in it and leftover from the tent that Tyler was in and um, then, you know, there's some of us that dig down deep and get some soil, um, some that, you know, there's rocks in the soil that's going gonna, gonna to end up impacting the student's plant. Then we go back, and um, again, we uh, then it's time to plant the seed. You know, some students plant it all the way at the bottom. They're going to force their plant to grow up all the way uh, to the top. Some just right at the top where it's not going to end up having much root. And then some, you know, just all different varying degrees. We go and water uh, our plants. And again, we're six and seven. So not, you know, some of us are having a little bit of trouble. I remember um, some of my friends just filling their cup up all the way with water and seeing water and dirt overflowing, you know, practically drowning their seeds. So he had to come in and step in and, and help us realize, here's here's the correct way to plant. Well, then after we planted, of course, the next day, Every single one of us, as soon as the teacher opens the door, we all bolt for the window where we had set up all of our cups so they would get sunlight. And the disappointment for every single one of us when none of us see our bean sprout coming up. The next day, same thing. The next day, same thing. You know, students were starting to to lose hope, and they were discouraged. Well, then finally, I remember the joy when that first little sprout. You could just barely see the white and green head of this bean plant popping out, and the excitement that went throughout the whole class. And then over the next few days, when pretty much every one of the beans came up. Well, then we learned how hard growing was, um, because at that point, the struggles of some of the soil that the students picked, or the overwatering, all those things began to take effect. Some of the plants ended up being starved of sunlight because a student would go and pull their cup from the window and bring it to their desk at, during the day and then forget to go take it back. And so it wouldn't get sunlight throughout the entire day when the lights went off. Um, and then I, some of the plants, I remember them growing up and where they then didn't have supports or they were overmoved and they would break and fall, uh, and fall over of their own weight. It gave me the realization at a very young age that gardening is is hard work, and I got to experience this um, over the last couple of years. With where Allison and I live with our with our family, um, we uh, we we live on on a green belt, um, and then when I say green belt, I really mean a swamp grass belt. Um, and I decided, hey, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna grow a garden in, in our backyard, and I and I've struggled because the, the swamp grass from the other side. Uh, of the fence kind of encroaches on our garden, so then I had the idea i 'm going to put a gate in my fence, and out on the back side of my fence i 'm going to build an elevated garden. so I brought in a whole bunch of great soil, I built up a barrier to try, try to keep the, the the swamp grass out, um, and I built up gardening rocks to, to make an elevated bed. never, ever have I had success at growing plants, but i 'm going to tell you right now if you want some sweet swamp grass, come on over. My garden grows the best swamp grass. I finally, this year, I finally gave up. And we'd had raspberries in our back and so much swamp grasses in it in our backyard. This year, I finally went and dug it all out and I put down ground kill. Just like, I'd rather look at dirt in my backyard than I'd rather look at weeds. But I grow some amazing weeds. Well, I, I've come uh, to realize that a garden. Um, my, my dad, who was here at first service, um, I did not get his green thumb. He he has had a garden all the years. I've loved the the spoils of his garden, the sweet peas and the strawberries and the cucumbers, all of those things. I love that. I just haven't been able to this. The time and dedication that goes into it is something I just don't have when it comes to gardening. What brings me to our passage this morning? I invite you to open up to Luke chapter eight. Uh, it's the parable of the sower. As we say in youth ministry, uh, it'll also be up on the sky Bible uh, behind us. Uh, I wanted to give you the, the the premise of my of my the title of my message. Um, that garden that I have out back. How I came up with the title. Of this is my son Tyler. Um, he went out there. It was about a year or two ago, and um, to the garden, and he said, "Oh, Dad, it's a jungle out there." Um, and it kind of made me – I have to be very careful mentioning my kids in sermons um, because my kids like to tell Allison and myself if we ever use them in a sermon illustration, we have to pay them $5. So uh, very cautious of when I when I use their names. Uh, Carson, um, my middle child, uh, explained to me in services, Dad, you talked about us going to camp. Uh, you mentioned kids, uh, so you owe me 10 bucks." So – We'll see. And then they try to say it's three services, so now you have to triple it. Ah, oh, yes. All right. We're going to talk about money changers today. No, I'm joking. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is the parable of the sower. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples were a little confused at this point and they asked him, Jesus, what does this parable mean? And he said this, the knowledge of secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. So then he went on to tell his disciples, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, and when they hear it uh, when they hear it, but they have no root. they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that falls among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries riches and pleasures and they do not mature but the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word retain it and by persevering produce a crop so i think about all those seeds and immediately i I think in my life all the different you know kind of cyclical things that have happened as i've gone through you know the different cycles of life where what seed Am I and I and I think about friends and family who I can put in the category of each of those four seeds. Think about those people who hear the gospel or come to church a time or two or or hear about hear about God and they're like, oh yeah, that's really cool. But they never grow a root. They they don't get rooted in anything and eventually they're trampled on and, and the birds or the devil takes them away or the seed that Someone hears the gospel and they're like, "That is awesome. Yes, I want God's love." But then uh, they they truly don't ever get involved in, in anything, and um, and eventually, just the 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 things of this earth will will, will scorch them, uh, and they they will never develop a root and grow. Or those who fall among the thorns, um, those who uh, Ultimately, when it comes to it, after they accept God into their heart, don't make a change in their life. And God tells us that when it comes to following me, he needs us to change in our life, to be able to grow, to be able to persevere. And those who, who don't make that change in their life try to grow in God while still being involved in everything else um, that takes them away from God. And ultimately, the things of this world, the Bible says, will choke that out, and you won't be able to produce the crop that God calls us to produce. Well, then we have those that fall on the good soil, and we think about producing a crop more than a 100 times greater than what was sown. See, producing a crop growing is not easy. It's difficult. And And you think about it, have you ever done something really hard in your life? Something that took effort, it takes, it, it takes perseverance. Well, for me, something that a, a challenge that I had, I'm going to go back to my elementary days, was when I was in fifth grade. And when I was in fifth grade at my school, we were a, a K through K-6 school, um, but fifth and sixth graders got to be part of the school band. And so when I was a fifth grader, I knew I was going to play the drums. I was so excited to become a drummer. I would go around the house and, you know, kind of beat. I, uh, you know, beat on different things, uh, find fake things and call them drumsticks. I knew I was going to be an awesome drummer. So when it came time the first day, a fifth grade band, I go there, and there were nine, myself and my friends, that were going to be drummers. And at that point. I think there were one or two trumpet players, one or two trombone players. And my band teacher pulled us all together, all nine of us who wanted to be drummers. And he tricked us because here's what he did. He said, guys, we can't have nine drummers. So we need some of you who, uh, who are going to be uh, trumpet and trombone players. And so he got a mouthpiece for both a trumpet and a trombone. And he brought us all together, and he taught us all how to purse our lips and blow. And then uh, he had each of us blow into the trumpet, and to the trombone mouthpiece. And when it came time for me to blow into the trumpet mouthpiece, I did it the first time. And he said, oh, you are a natural trumpet player. You are going to be phenomenal. So I went home that night. And uh, my mom knew that we had to go down to uh, the rental agency to go pick up my drum, and so she said, "Let's go pick. Let's go get your drum." And I said, "I'm playing the trumpet now." What? I'm playing the trumpet now. Oh, okay. And I think she's like, "Yes." <laughs> I'm not gonna have to hear pounding and beating all the time. So I go down and we go rent my trumpet, and I come home and I open that thing and I practice that night and I'm you know playing I'm sure my brother and sister and parents love the squeaks that were coming from my trumpet and then I put it back in the case and I kid you not I don't think I opened that case at home for the rest of the year. Um, I you know part of it was being tricked and I wanted to I wanted to play the the drum but a big part of it is as a as a fifth grader as a 10 year old I didn't have the perseverance and the dedication to practice that instrument. You know, every now and then I I would practice, you know, learning the notes and scales, but mainly it was at the practice sessions uh, at school. And I had decided quite early on in my musical career uh, that I was not going to continue the next year. Uh, The decision was made for me that Christmas, however, um, because at Christmas that year, uh, opening up all the presents with the grandparents. They, they, my grandparents had come over and gets to my last present, and I open it up and take the wrapping paper off a trumpet case. And like, oh, I go, no. And I open up that case, and here inside this case is my grandpa's beautiful silver trumpet that he had had uh, he had had restored, repaired, had these beautiful like marble valves on it. Um, and just, I mean, it, it was a gorgeous trumpet. And my mom, sensing my apprehension, looked at me and said, One more year, just one more year, and then you can quit. And sure enough, I, I did. I played the one more year, um, I played in sixth grade. But it was in sixth grade, a new music teacher, a new band teacher this year, that came up to me and said, David, don't you want to get better? Uh, because there, at this point, there was three trumpet players. There were three trumpet players, and I was forever third-seat trumpet. And she says, don't you want to get better? And so I lied to her and said, yeah, yeah, I, I do. And, and so she had me concentrate on just learning one song. She said, it's going to take practice, and that means outside of school. You need to practice this song and learn this song. Um, you know, I, I, I kid you not, I never learned to read music in those two years that I played the trumpet. But I knew that song, and when it came to the spring concert, I was first chair for that one song, and then I moved back to third chair for, for all of the rest of the, of the concert. But that one song. Um, but, you know, ultimately, it took time. It took dedication. It took practice. It took work. It reminds me of this verse. Ask Jesus into your heart, and your life will be easy. And everything you do will be successful. That comes from the book of Imaginations. Chapter 12, verse 21. You see, it's it's not real. There's no Bible verse that says following God is easy. In fact, the Bible actually says the opposite. It says following God will cost you everything that you have. In Luke 14, verse 33, it says every one of you who does not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Every one of you who does not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. But well, let's talk about this. See, when you accept Jesus into your heart, understand you don't physically lose everything you have or give up all that you own. But God wants you to be ready to. He wants you to be willing to. You see, in order to follow God, just like I learned with the trumpet, just like I have learned with gardening, we need to put in the work, dig down deep, develop a root, a foundation. As you heard Grace talking about, on the rock who is Jesus. This means growing. Growing to a point that we can produce a crop brings me to our next part of Scripture, which is John 15. One of my favorite bits of Scripture, talking about the vine and the branches. Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. I can admit that I love flowers. I really, really love flowers um occasionally i give them to allison i should do that way more often i don't do it often enough every now and then i'll go to the florist or to safeway and go pick her some up but you know the big problem i have with the flowers that i bring home to her is that they're gonna die there's nothing you can do to save these flowers you can put them in water You can cut off the bottoms to, you know, try to preserve them longer. You can put in the little plant food that they give you at the florist, But they're dead. You've cut them off from what was keeping them alive. You may get a week or or two out of them, but ultimately um, you've given them a death sentence as soon as they were cut off from the vine. See, we're the same way. We're a lot like that flower. If we're cut off, if we don't remain in Jesus, we're going to wither. See, we need the nourishment from the vine. And Jesus says, I am the vine, Christ. And we also need the pruning that comes from the Father. So this is the hard part. This is where Jesus is saying, you need to give up everything. We need to be willing to being pruned. See, this means we need to put in the time. We need to put in the effort so that we can grow. It means we need to cut off parts that aren't bearing fruit. So we need to be coming to church. We need to be in his word. We need to be in fellowship, and Bible studies, and word works. We need to be praying. We need to be spending time on a daily basis with God. We need to be serving. It also means we need to be cutting off, again, the parts in our life, the things in our life that are keeping us from bearing fruit. We need to be deadheading in our life. You know, I had no idea when I first got a house and went and got flower baskets, and I think I thought the only thing that they needed was sunlight, a little bit of fertilizer, and some water. Then I learned quite quickly that, you know, after the flowers bloom and the, the dead flowers are still there on the vine. They're continuing to take nutrients away from the plant. But if you go and deadhead them, that new vines will grow and more beautiful flowers will grow, and you can keep those flower pots alive the entire summer. When I first bought hanging baskets, they would last for like three or four weeks, and I oh, I need new ones. And my dad said, "No, if you deadhead those, get rid of the get rid of the dead things. Get rid of the things that are keeping those flowers from growing. Then." they're going to continue to be beautiful. See, when we're in the vine and we're being, uh, and uh, God wants us, excuse me, to continue to be in the vine, and he wants us to grow and bear fruit. He wants us to take this love that he has for us, and he wants us to share it, to help produce a crop a 100 times greater than what was sown. Because I had the opportunity to see this in person this last week um, when I was at youth camp. And I got to see the eight leaders that went with these teens, um, serving these students uh, and, and loving on these students. Heidi Kilborn put it best. She was one of our leaders at camp. Um, after we got back from camp, um, Tyler sent us a text message out and said, hey, thanks for everything that you guys did. And what a great team. Thanks for, thanks for giving up your week and Heidi sent this message back to our team. She said, you know, I think I got more out of this than the kids did. See, that's what God wants from us. When we're serving, when we're being pruned, when we're giving ourselves up to help produce a crop, God is going to pour into us as well. And we have so many opportunities right here at MRCC. I mean, we see it Every Sunday morning when we're here, their amazing worship team, uh, who gets here when it's still dark in the morning, including in the summer, to practice to be ready. The the hospitality teams uh, that are here, prepping coffee and lattes and making breakfast uh, for the worship team and for the kids. Um, our parking team, our children's team, our youth team, all the different teams, our adults teams, our women's ministries teams that are serving to help produce a crop, the willingness to being pruned. Um, God is calling us to be an example of his love for others so that that we're rooted and that we're growing. And we can also help others to understand God's love. So I want to encourage you, encourage you to be willing to be pruned. I want to end this morning with a gardening story of sorts. Um, at Hampton Court, which is just outside of London, England, there grows what is called the Great Vine. Its official name, I'm gonna try not to butcher this, is Vitis vinifera shiva grossa, or the synonym is called Black Hamburg. This vine is now 255 years old and it is the largest grapevine in the world. It was planted in 1768 by, uh, well, sorry, his name is Lancelot Capability Brown was in charge of the gardens at Hampton Court. In 1887, it was already four feet around at its base. It's now 13 feet around at its base, and its longest rod, or branch is 120 feet long. The vine is grown on what is called the extension method, where one plant fills an entire glasshouse, or what we would call greenhouse, as Victorian gardeners thought this method would produce a larger crop. The average crop of Black Desert grapes that this plant produces is about 600 pounds, which is astonishing for one grape plant. However, in the autumn of 2001, 845 pounds were produced, the best crop ever. The vine grows on the site of the first greenhouse at Hampton Court. There have been six greenhouses built on this site around this one plant, so it's outlasted its five previous greenhouses. Over the course of the grapevine's life, this one plant has produced over 155,000 pounds of grapes. Each growing season, the growing shoots coming off the vine are carefully and deliberately thinned out and pruned. Leaves are removed to allow sunlight uh, through to ripen the fruit. When I think about this one vine and the impact that it has had because the branches that are being continually pruned and grown, I think about what God can do in each of our lives when we open ourselves up to staying in him and being pruned and being grown and what we can produce as his sons and his daughters and I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes see that's what God is asking from us it's what he's asking from you it's what he's asking from me He wants us to grow. He calls us to grow. He wants to do his will in your life and in my life. He wants to lead you. Think right now. What is it in your life that God needs to prune? What do you feel he's saying to you right now that he's asking you to give over to him? Say to him, in this area of my life, God, Not my will, but your will be done. What is God asking you to give up, to get rid of, so that you can bear fruit? Father God, I thank you so much for each and every person here. I thank you for this church family, this church home. God, that you have done so much in the lives of so many And God, I pray that as we go from here, God, that we would continue to allow you to prune us, that we would be giving up things that are keeping us from bearing fruit, God, and that, God, that each of us would go from here and that we would be fruitful. It's in your awesome and amazing name we pray. Amen. If you would stand up, I will deliver our benediction for this morning. Our benediction comes from Jude 24 and 25, and it says this,